Hey, Story Show listeners, Jeremy Corey Green is here along with uh, Shane Kepke and Angie Zoller Barker. And we are back with the uh, Story Show podcast. Uh, today we are introducing the story My Uncle Luke by Pam Johnson. So, Angie, can you give us a little preview about this one? Yeah. Um, so, Pam was sort of helping her Uncle Luke, who was younger than her. Um, he had some struggles in school. And uh, through her mentorship, was able to sort of empower him to, to mm-hmm. find success um, in a system that kind of let him down. Yeah, for sure. And we all know stories of people who slip through the cracks of mm-hmm. everything. And school's no different than that, too. So, uh, and it's amazing that he was kind of raised by this aunt in so many ways that was much older than him. I mean, just by circumstance of family. Right, right. Yeah. uh, It's such an interesting part of that story. But also to hear, I mean, my grandparents lived next door. I think I've probably talked about this before, but like my grandparents lived next door so close that they were part of our everyday. I mean, my grandma would, we'd get home from school and my grandma would give us each 50 cents out of the cash register at their shop they ran and we got to go down to the little market and... But every day we learned like something new about a different generation and about how the world worked in a different kind of avenue than our own. And it was it was really valuable as an adult now looking back and having kind of a wider perspective is important. And I'm sure he developed those skills along with that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we were talking, you'd mentioned a minute ago about how, you know, kids slip through the cracks when they don't have a mentor or they don't have those supports mm-hmm. at home. And that's that's so true. And I think we saw that so glaringly clear um, during the pandemic with kids being at home. And, you know, and but, but it's, it's like that even in regular school times, you know. You know, it's often not intellect. It's often not work ethic that's a problem. It's who's got those supports, you know. And well, I think 2020 more than anything showed us that like how important people are in that support system because we were forced to be separated from like physically separated mm-hmm. from those yeah. supports. And yeah. um, I think it was hard for people who have mostly functioning coping mechanisms <laughs> 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 um, to even not slip through the cracks and to, to have the ability to recognize that like, OK, I'm not doing OK. I need to figure out something different. Um, right. You know, when you're a kid and you don't have a fully functioning brain, <laughs> that's right. probably not a place you can be. <laughs> right. So having um, people around you to, to kind of help bring you back. Right, right. You know. We expect so much from young people and they're just developing, you know. they're just, and Jeremy, yeah. people expect a lot from me and I'm developing. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, write a book on adulting. <laughs> but you say, you know, you've, you've got the tools, you've got your laptop, you've got your internet connection. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, uh, soft skills. <laughs> Someone to help me get out of bed every day. Yeah, accountability yeah. partners. Like you don't realize how much your parents and your siblings are accountability partners in a lot of your life, or your classmates. And mm-hmm. uh, I really look up to people who can learn online like that because when I was in grad school even, it was the in-between the classes or my friends that would get me motivated to go places and do the things that I had to do just to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> not not just social things, but just the day-to-day things. And I was like a non-traditional student, so most of my college has been online, like distance learning, those types of things. So like I was very familiar with this world. But I'm also like super type A and like 
hyper organized and I know like the skills and like the even those characteristics it takes to be able to do those things and I'm like these are things that took me 15 years to develop mm-hmm. as an adult to be good at this um, so I, I think that helped me help my students to, to help them figure out like how to take ownership of right of the stuff they were doing well and then like help them on the things they weren't well yeah. I think that's a really big gift you give your students by it being graceful and having the perspective of self-awareness <laughs> or the gift of self-awareness where you can be like, Hey, uh, I, I also struggle and you struggle. Mm-hmm. And that makes a huge connection to people when you can relate on the same level. Like yeah. no one likes anybody who comes in and is like, you know what the best way to do this is? Cause I'm always successful. <laughs> I always learn best from people who are condescending. Yeah. I got all the gold stars. No, not, not to give uh, too much away about the story, but one thing that I would was really struck with with Pam's story was that she wasn't just giving directions Mm-mm. she was there she was like sitting down and modeling and yeah and um, and uh, I think Angie earlier when we were talking about this you said uh, you she was empowering Luke to see his own potential and there are so many voices in our lives when we don't have special learning needs just for all of us so many voices telling us yeah, you don't need to do this, or you can't do this, or this isn't important, you know. But she was, she was that uh, consistent presence for him. So what a gift. Yeah. You know? yeah have you guys had any empowering people that have like helped you, like lift you up? And I can cut out all this dead space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. This isn't going to be like that shocking of an answer but like mine has been like josh like he um so my spouse for those of you who don't know and he always like no matter what i come up with i'm like hey we should do this and he's like yeah we should do that (laughs) um and so no matter what it's been like i said i was a non-traditional learner so i've done a lot of schooling in the last 15 years um and he's always the guy that's like yeah we can do it you can do it it'll be great that's huge because that I mean, anyone who's who's uh, gone to school part time while they're working, while they've got a family, knows that mm-hmm. it's a commitment not just for the student but for everybody oh, in yeah. the house, right? Yeah. So. Oh, I was writing papers and taking tests, watching baseball games all <laughs> summer long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I too have a super supportive spouse in that way, and mm-hmm. um, keeps me grounded and tells me when I'm being a jerk, but also reminds me of my own skills and and uh, potential too so yeah yeah oh so now i have to talk about my spouse yeah what up you know my wife is always the cautious optimist and so i'm the gung-ho like let's just jump into the deep end of the pool and then we'll tread our way back to the beach and uh she's like whoa 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 you need a swimsuit. <laughs> and you've got five unfinished projects. Right. <laughs> we haven't even bought a car to get there yet. <laughs> and so she's always the one who says, yeah, yeah, that, that could work. But why don't you see what it takes to get to the finish line? And for 22 years, like I've been able to say, oh, we got to do that because it was a team effort rather than just like, I'm going to go do this crazy thing all by myself and probably fail. And it yeah. becomes success then. I love it. Awesome. There's nothing like being on a solid team, man. Right. Right. And how and again, how fortunate for Luke that Pam was on his team. Oh, amazing yeah. gift. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear it. Here's here's Pam's story. We hope you enjoy it. 
Pam is living the dream here in Albert Lee. It's a peaceful and tranquil existence, except for when her dog, Riley, barks incessantly at the duck. A duck that was originally named Ben Affleck. <laughs> until it was determined that Ben is actually a Daphne. But Daphne Affleck doesn't have near the quackery of Ben. Pam enjoys mowing her land with her zero-turn mower, except for when she is tearing the belt or shooter off from not paying careful attention to where she's going. She's a lover of rescued dogs and loves the many gardens throughout her land. She is especially proud of how much effort it took to plant and tend those gardens while she sipped red wine and directed her son Nathan on what to do. <laughs> this is My Uncle Luke by Pam Johnson. Oh, I need my glasses. <laughs> my Uncle Luke, he really isn't even my uncle. He's my husband Mark's uncle. We've never actually called him uncle, even though technically he is. My Lukey was born in 1987. His birth mother lived with my husband's grandparents in their foster care home. When Luke was born, she asked them if they would adopt him. She knew they would provide a much better life for him than she could. They're more than happy to step up and make this little baby their own. They hadn't considered that they might have a hard time doing so, but the state of Minnesota had an issue with the adoption. Not only were Graham and Gramps in their late 60s, but they were also white. And while Luke presented as a black baby, he was actually biracial. Graham and Grams finally won the right to adopt Luke, mainly because it was his birth mother's request. However, it was made known by the courts that they would not approve any other situations like this. They were too old and not of the preferred race. Graham and Grams, with their hearts of gold, continued fostering those who needed their help for many, many years to come. I met Luke in the winter of 1990 when Mark and I came to Minnesota to visit his very large family after our daughter Melissa was born. By the time we moved to Minnesota the following year, we also had our first son, Mark. As the years passed, Melissa, Mark, and Luke often played with one another during the many, many family get-togethers. Eventually, the kids were more at our house playing together. They all got along so well, and we really enjoyed having Luke there. When Luke wasn't creating his many Lego projects, he and my son Mark seemed to get themselves in the trouble without even trying. They were pretty much just doing things that young boys do. I can still see them in the middle of my lily garden, breaking those long stems off and using them as swords to battle each other. Those long stems, the ones that I had patiently been waiting for to bloom, those boys either picked or trampled all but one. When Luke was nine, we had our second son, Nathan. As Nathan got older, he and Luke also became great friends. I often expected Luke to know better than Nathan. Luke was about 13 when I walked into Nathan's room and found my eyes popping out as I looked around the room. Apparently, Luke and Nathan had a great idea to take paper towels and tissues, 
dip them in his large uh, fish tank, and throw them up into the rotating ceiling fan. <laughs> I really should have gotten a picture. Luke always responded the same way when asked why he did or didn't do something. He'd look down, shrug his shoulders, I don't know. Luke always responded the same way when asked, sorry, Luke had an individualized educational, educational plan, better known as an IEP, which basically ensured that Luke received specialized instruction and extra help in school as he had a hard time learning and sitting still. Somewhere around fourth or fifth grade, I started picking Luke up at the end of the day and bringing him home to my house a town away in order to help him with his homework and studies. He generally wanted to just sit at my dining room table and draw. He had magnificent talent. However, he wasn't there to draw. He was supposed to be doing his homework. We argued a lot over that. Well, I argued, while Luke generally just sat there in dead silence. One day, as I was about at my wit's end, Luke told me that he didn't have to do his work. Really? Why is that? I asked him. Luke proceeded to tell me how one of his teachers had told him it didn't matter what he did. They were going to pass him to the next grade. <laughs> if you know me, and well, maybe even if you don't know me, you probably know how I reacted. Well, Luke, let me tell you. Your teacher, the one that told you that, you know, you're probably never going to see or hear from her again after this school year. But me? <laughs> me? <laughs> you're going to have to deal with me for the rest of my life, of your life. Um, and my rules are that you will do all of your work. Do you understand? I guess. After we did studies, I'd bring Luke back home to his mom and dad. One night we got there and Luke's behavioral therapist, Mike, was there with Graham. We talked a little and then he brought up the top topic of disciplining Luke. You see, when Luke got in trouble at home, Graham wanted me to carry his punishment over at my house. I refused to do that, especially because most often the punishment was that he would not get a snack after school. I said, you know what, <laughs> he, I'm not going to do it. He can't properly study and do his homework without having something to eat. Mike told me straight out that I was not a team player. I said, whatever. I couldn't have cared less about being a team player. My team was Luke and I together, learning, schoolwork, and important life skills. At some point, Luke became a fixture at our house between doing his studies and spending the weekends. It was then we realized Luke didn't even know how to use a telephone. We worked on that until he was proficient. And then we found out he didn't even know how to use a television. I think we maybe worked too hard on that one. Eventually, as Luke got older, he went to live with his sister, Bunny, who was also my mother-in-law. It was much easier to work with Luke now as we were in the same neighborhood within walking distance. Graham and Gramps had just gotten older and their health was declining. They hadn't done anything wrong. 
In fact, it was the opposite. They loved their boy enough to know he needed more. We continued doing studies at my dining table, which meant we still continued to do battle with each other. I only had one goal in mind, for Luke to graduate high school. Luke's goal was to get as far away from that dining table as he could. Early on, I found out he could walk with his graduating class, but he would not receive a real diploma because he was in special classes. <laughs> no, 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 no. We did not work that hard for that to be Luke's fate. My father-in-law, Gary, and I sat in on many meetings at school, listening to updates and advocated for Luke, advocating for Luke. I've always believed in Luke and that he was much smarter than most people gave him credit for. Luke started attending mainstream classes with the exception of one special class. He earned his grades by working hard as I stayed involved with both Luke and the school. In order for Luke to be successful in mainstream classes, we agreed that his IEP would include the importance of him taking tests separately from everyone else in another room. You see, during a test, if Luke saw students turning over their papers or walking up and handing them to the teacher, he would get nervous and think, well, you know, he needs to get done right now. So he would just put answers in there or just not do it at all. In Luke's senior year of high school, he, along with quite a few other students, still needed to pass one of, standardized, one of the standardized tests in order to graduate. After a reminder of how his IEP read, the school reluctantly allowed Luke to take his test in a separate room. Luke passed the exam. In fact, when Luke graduated, he had all regular classes and received a regular diploma. I don't know if anyone yelled louder at that ceremony. I was so, so proud of him. It was hard on both of us, but he did it. After Luke graduated, I was anxious to get him enrolled in a program where he would be able to work more on living skills and how to live on his own and survive in society. Turns out all our hard work and efforts wound up working Luke right out of those programs. Because he earned a regular diploma, he was no longer eligible for anything. Luke held down a job while in high school. The school helped him find a position working at a computer refurbishing shop. He is still working there today, as well as working a second job at a pizza shop. He owns his own condominium apartment. He owns two cars. There's so much more I could have written about me and Luke, but we would need a lot more time. Recently, Luke and I were bantering back and forth, just kind of ribbing each other and laughing. I stopped and looked at him, telling him how very, very proud I was because he had come so far and overcome so many obstacles. And I was just so proud of the man he had become. He looked me in the eye and without any hesitation at all, Luke said, all thanks to you. It was so unexpected. Of course my eyes welled up. Of course they are now. I never expected anything in return. I was just so happy we got through all of those years of sitting at my dining room table and that Luke successfully graduated from high school. 
I love this young man and I will forever be so proud of the things he has achieved. I'm honored that I had a big part of that, but I was also more than happy to find him when he laid down my uh, drill sergeant's hat. It's interesting to me how many of us grew up with food being used as a tool for discipline. Not just Luke being denied a snack after school for having maybe not made his bed that morning or jumping on his bed, but I myself, I was raised with, fine young lady, there will be, you, you, can, go, you can just go to your room and stay there. There will be no dinner for you tonight. We survived, mainly because it was not an everyday occurrence. Sadly, throughout our country, we have too many children who go without food or too little food on a daily basis. Not for discipline reasons, but because of various reasons that have nothing to do with the child's behavior. Low-income families that run out of food before next month's food assistance comes in. Children whose parents have mental issues, illnesses, or addiction problems. A child who is undernourished or who doesn't know where their next meal is going to arrive simply cannot properly pay attention or properly behave while attending school. And they are certainly not going to get very far at home doing homework and studies. Thanks to people like you, who are attending tonight's Pass the Plate, which in turn supports the Food for Backpacks program, there are many children who no longer have to worry so much about when they will be able to eat again. Your support is so very much appreciated. Thank you. Pass the Plate Story Show is recorded live January 11th, 2020 at the Marion Ross Performing Arts Center in Albert Lee, Minnesota. The show was produced by Angie Zoller-Barker, Shane Kepke, and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. To hear more stories, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, or check out our webpage at thestoryshow.org. <laughs>